Racing Out Loud, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol Rovers reporter Jack Vittles. Welcome to Getting Out Loud, myself Michelle Owen and Jack Vittles, the penultimate podcast of the season. Jack has some big news which we'll reveal at the end of it if you haven't already heard. Uh, But first Jack, let's start by reflecting on uh, two decent draws against two teams really going for the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know... Charlton and Blackburn, two very good sides. Blackburn look like they're going to go up. Charlton, you know, knocking around the playoffs. Two clubs with big histories, both been in the Premier League, big infrastructures. And Rovers really matched them for, for two games over 90 minutes, I thought. And it wasn't even a full-strength Rovers either. A lot of injuries, um, a suspension in one of the games as well. But I thought Rovers looked, um, certainly, at least their equals, if not a little bit better at times. I think the pitch was a little bit of a leveller. I don't think Charlton and Blackburn could get their... Uh, their forward play. Charlton's going. pitch is quite good, isn't it? Yeah, I think really? so. Yeah, exactly. And Blackburn's not bad. And they're good attacking side. Like to move the ball quickly. Mm-hmm. But I mean, so are Rovers. But um, I think that might have been a little bit of a leveller. But you know, a sign of the the way Rovers played against Blackburn was you know they, they pulled Bradley Dack off after an hour and he was pretty ineffectual. And Bradley Dack is normally Blackburn's sort of yeah, absolutely. Star he, he was he was League One Player of the Year the other day I saw, and you know, he's obviously been flying now all season. But Rovers completely shut him down. They played Tom Lockyer as a defensive midfielder, which was a bit odd. Did it um, work? Worked really well. Yeah, it did Evidently. work. Yeah. It did work well. He put in a really good uh, well, goal-saving tackle, I'd say, on Dak when he had a one-on-one with the keeper. Um, yeah, it's been all right. I think it really is. It's sort of... Obviously, there's not a lot to play for now with the playoffs and things. So it was really about showing that Rovers haven't given up. They're not on the beach just yet. And mm. also, proves that looking ahead to next season with a couple of additions, maybe they can mix it with the top six, be a bit more consistent and actually break into the playoffs. Well, let's talk about some of the youngsters that we said we promised we would talk about because uh, when we met up two weeks ago, we said sort of what's going to happen now? What do we look out for? And the key message sort of from you was, well, look out for these youngsters. This is an exciting like little finish for the season for them and an exciting sort of look into what the future could hold for Bristol Rovers. So which youngsters have made their debuts? I think there's been another debut, hasn't there? And yeah. which ones have been playing? Yeah, so we've seen, we've seen two more debuts in the last two games. So the first one was Michael Kelly against Charlton. Uh, left back came on for the last ooh, 25 minutes or so, I think. A good um, chunk of time then. Yeah, exactly. Long enough to have a look, not long enough to make any sort of judgment, but he looked pretty calm, a couple of good crosses, um, pretty vocal on the pitch as well for a young lad. He's got a, a pretty interesting background, was at Leicester in the youth team the season mm-hmm. they won the Premier League, uh, dropped out to the Scottish non-league, had a try at Rovers, came back. So, you know... So he's, how old is he? Uh, I think he's 21, mm. I think. Um, so he's done it the hard way, you know. He's worked his way back up and got his uh, career back in shape, and I'm assuming now he'll be signed up for next season as well. And maybe we'll see him feature a little bit more. Lee Brown has been at left back for a lot of years now. Maybe he's got some real competition with uh, with Kelly. And then the second one was Mo Baghdadi, who came on against Blackburn. Yep. On Saturday he came on right winger. Um, played about 15 minutes or so when Rovers were one 0 down. Uh, looked pretty sharp actually. I thought he had a good. Good sort of turn of pace, a couple of tricks and flicks. One amazing Cruyff turn to, to leave a man for dead. Uh, certainly not short of confidence. Uh, and What's his story? Where, where has he come from? Yeah, so he played in Germany. Um, he's a German player, but he's of Lebanese descent. Um, and he was playing in, I think he's played one game in the second tier of German football as a kid. Uh, and then sort of fell out of the game there and then got a trial at Rovers for a week. They took him on, put him in the other 23s and have been quite impressed with him. He's been on loan. So he's been at uh, Dorchester, Paulson Rovers, Western Supermare. Yep. 
Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember this. I yeah, remember scoring a few goals as well. He scored four in one game down at Dorchester. You know, I know it's a low level, but he's clearly a goal scorer. Yeah. So I think another one that got the fans pretty excited in his 15, 20 minutes on the pitch. Mm-hmm. And of course, that coincided with Rovers pulling one out of the bag as well, getting mm-hmm. back to tied up one all. And sort of looking at the next three fixtures, you know, obviously they've, it's almost frustrating, isn't it? They've sort of shown their metal against these two big clubs in, in League One. Uh, Rotherham on, on Saturday, obviously Rotherham going for the playoffs, looking like they're going to get a playoff spot and never an easy place to go. Dropped down from the Championship, of course, last year. It was last year they yeah, were relegated, yeah. wasn't it? So uh, what, what are you thinking ahead of this one? Do you think these youngsters are going to get another chance? Yeah, I think, I don't think they'll have a huge amount of choice with the amount of injuries. Maybe they'll get one or two back, hopefully. But there's not a huge amount to lose, is there, by just blooding one or two here and there. And I think... Like you say, they've really competed well in the last two games against two good sides, and now all of a sudden they've got another two really tough games with Rotherham and Wigan. So it doesn't let up, does it? But it is a really good sounding board, I think, for how good these kids might be able to be. I know it's a very short amount of time we're going to see them for, but if they're playing teams as good oh, as Wigan... It's, it's almost like... I know it's not a pre-season, it's a stupid thing to say, but it's almost like these sort of five, six, seven games for them coming in and playing these games. It's like almost a pre-season at the end of the season for them to prove what they're worth to fight for contracts. And I know other players will be fighting for contracts as well. So as disappointing as it is not to be in the playoffs, it's been a massive opportunity for these youngsters. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's certainly people fighting for their futures at the club, their futures... In terms of whether they're futures as footballers, isn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. Isn't their livelihood? We're yeah, talking about? exactly. And a lot of the, the younger players will be trying to catch the eye and get a senior, you know, get a full-time professional deal and start working their way into the first team more regularly. And I think it's, it's quite exciting to see these kids. I think it's about seven debuts they've handed out this season now to youngsters, which is you know, pretty good going mm. in a season where you know they haven't really flirted with relegation or anything like that. To actually still be bringing on these younger players, and mm. Daryl Clark said now that he wants to go away from the loans. Um, he said he might have made one or two. He wasn't a massive fan of the system. No, he? he's never been a big fan. He's always been quite reluctant to play them. You look at the amount of game time that Telford's had and Bowler recently, um, and so even, even Sweeney it, recently. Yeah, well, yeah, whose decision is it to have these players at the club if, if Daryl Clark doesn't want to use them? It's a bit of a weird well, one. Yeah, it's a weird I think I think it is his decision to bring them in. He's got overall control over who he brings in, but I suppose he's certainly got his favourites, his loyal players that he mm-hmm. trusts time and time again, and sometimes he's reluctant to move away from them, for better or worse, and... If he's going to move away from the lone players for next season, I don't think that's a bad idea, as long as the youngsters they're bringing through are good enough. And mm. so far, I think there's a couple there that could certainly step up. I'm not saying they're going to play 50 games next season, but they could play 10 or 15 games. I think there's, there's enough quality there. Mm. Well, looking ahead after Rotherham, it's the game that was postponed when we had all that snow and that ice in March, which is ridiculous. Um, Wigan uh, at home, and obviously a lot more riding on it for, for Wigan. Do you think for some of these teams that are competing for the playoffs now that nerves start to come into it? Yeah, I think so. I think we saw a little bit of that with Blackburn on Saturday. It was a big opportunity missed for them. You know, if they beat Rovers 1-0, Wigan only drew at the weekend as well. So Tony Mowbray, I know, was, was fuming, especially with the way they let in the goal in the 94th, 93rd minute. I think there's definitely a little bit of nerves to it, and I don't think teams particularly like coming to the Mem anyway, especially... With the crowd on top of the... Yeah, when they've got to win to keep up pressure on the top two, and, you know, it was the biggest crowd of the season at the Mem on Saturday. So it was a pretty good atmosphere, and the fans were right behind it. So, yeah, I think nerves do come into it for the other sides, and, of course, the opposite's true as well. Rovers haven't got really any... You know, obviously, of course, there's pressure, but no pressure in terms of the league position on them anymore, so they can play with a little bit of freedom, and maybe... That's bringing out the best of them in the last few games. You're talking about loyal players there. One of the most uh, loyal players to Bristol Rovers has been Chris Lyons. And after this sending off, um, there's been all sorts of backlash on social media. And I've seen some stuff 
on the website about this. Can you talk me through a bit more about what's been happening with yeah, this? Yeah, so obviously Lines were sent off at the Fleetwood, two yellow cards for descent, missed the Charlton game, came back for the Blackburn game and scored a 94th minute winner with a volley. So obviously he came out to speak to us after the game, um, we chatted about the goal, but he also sort of said that Basically, you know, it felt a little bit like redemption. That, given the stick he got for the two yellow cards at Fleetwood, he was dealing with a lot of social media abuse. Um, so this social media abuse was from who? Well, I, I'm assuming Rovers you know, fans in inverted commas. In inverted like, commas. Yeah, exactly. So he, I know he's on Twitter and things like that, but he's taken a back seat on that in recent times. But mm. he said that you know his family was seeing things and his partner and his his kids were too young to see it. But his mum said that she went to work the day afterwards and nobody wanted to wish her a happy birthday. It was her birthday. You joke. And they all um, wanted to talk about their own card. So I think the thing is with somebody like Chris Lyons is he's, he's been at the club so long. Mm. I think there is the case that once somebody's been at the club so long, you don't realise how important they are because you just get used to them being there. Don't value them. Yeah, almost. exactly. I think so sometimes. I'm not, I, know, I know the vast, vast majority of Rovers fans do, and he's won three promotions with the club. So he's, he's got a lot of fans, as mm. he should do, given mm. his sort of commitment to the club. But you know, that sort of abuse shouldn't be tolerated, and fair play to him for speaking out about it. Yeah, I think it's the right thing to do is to speak out about it. I mean, I know... Footballers, especially when you sort of look at Premier League players and the wages they're on, and they're on social media, and you just have to click on a tweet and you can see some of the abuse they get. But it's just mad. It's almost like people forget that there's a person behind that. And I just wouldn't expect it as much at this level because yeah. I, I thought, and I, feel, I do feel that most fans, real fans, are more connected to the club than that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he made a really good point that he's never had any stick in person. You know, when he's walking in town doing his shopping. Exactly. He's never had anybody come up to him and say anything. Warriors. But uh, yeah, social media does, uh, it's got a lot of benefits, but it does, it does allow... It's out the worst of people, for yeah, sure. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Ricky Lambert is someone that you've been talking to this week, of course, a club legend. Uh, tell us a bit more about this. Yeah, so Ricky Lambert's been down at the Mem, collected the Sir Tom Finney Award from the EFL, which is sort of a, a lifetime achievement uh, EFL award. So he, he, he was speaking to the club about uh, his time at Rovers and enjoying those two, three seasons that he was there and the goals he scored, particularly the one against Bristol City and the Johnson's Paint. Um... And then how basically he feels like Rovers sort of catapulted him off on this course that led mm. to you know Southampton, Liverpool and England. Um, and of course he's one of those sort of former legends at Rovers, I think, of the last 15 years, scored a lot of goals for them, still revered at the club. And mm. it, was, it was good to see him uh, being honoured for his work, I think. Do you think, just speaking of Ricky Lambert for a moment, that... You know, he went to Southampton and did so well. Should he never have left Southampton? I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, goes the same. Yeah. But, you know, obviously he wanted to go to his boyhood club, the club he loves, Liverpool, and it didn't really work out for him there. And then he just sort of dropped off the radar, didn't he? I mean, I know he's at Cardiff, it just didn't work out yeah, there. He's, he's now Brom, retired, yeah. and obviously previously before that, West Brom. Should he have just stayed at Southampton and become a club legend there? Yeah, perhaps, you know, looking at it objectively. But, you know, I think it's very tough. Like you say, it was his boyhood club. He's a proud scouser, Liverpool fan it's hard to turn down the chance to play for your boyhood club isn't it like that and he didn't go swimmingly for him there did it but he, he you know he got the chance to play for them he scored some he scored goals for them, them yeah, yeah. and he got to play for England so for a guy that was playing for Stockport County you know at the start of his career and there's all the stories about how you know he had to work hard at the start and work his way up you'd take his career wouldn't you at the end of it even if he has you know, retired relatively early I suppose Is there anyone sort of in the Bristol Rovers squad right now that you've seen with sort of the potential to go on to those heights to be a Premier League footballer is someone like, I know it's a completely different position, but you look at Tom Lockyer getting these caps for Wales and yeah. getting his international debut and what have you. Are there players there right now that could go on with absolutely no disrespect to Bristol Rovers, but to bigger things like a Premier League club? I mean, we've seen, obviously, Billy Bowden leave this year. He's doing well at Preston. Yeah, so I think Bowden, certainly, of the recent people to have left, could 
if he keeps up his current trajectory, what is he, 24, 25? There's no reason he couldn't get in the, you know, play for a Premier League side at all. Um, of Rover's current squad, yeah, I think Lockyer perhaps is the, is the main one you'd look at. He's only 23. What about someone like Ellis Harrison? Yeah, he's an, he's an interesting one. I don't know. Premier League, I think maybe not. I think he could be a good championship striker. How old is he now? 24, I think. Yeah, it's, I, it, I think he's 24. It feels like he has so much potential. Yeah. He has, he has shown glimpses about yeah. potential. When he's, when he's good, he's, he's terrifyingly good. He's big, he's strong, he can finish, he can bully defenders. Um, obviously, what makes players great as opposed to good is consistency. I'm not sure if he's got that yet, even though this has been his most consistent season. And he's put in really good shifts when he hasn't scored. Um, I'd love him to prove me wrong, but I don't think he'll be a Premier League player, but I can see him certainly playing at a higher level, whether that's with Rovers or somebody else. Just looking ahead to summer then, is there anyone key that's out of contract this summer? Well, Rovers keep it all very, very uh, closely guarded, so we don't know for sure. Um, Obviously, key players like Tom Lockyer have signed a new extended deal in January, so that'll be good news for Rovers, but... You know, realistically, in football now, even if somebody's under contract, they can be poached, particularly from a League One side, mm. um, if, the, if the bid's in the right region. So mm. I think Rovers will be very keen, obviously, not to... I don't think they want to sell any of their regular first-team players. Mm. They can't afford to with the, the size of the squad they've got, and the, you know, they need a few more in, that's for sure. Um, and they've strengthened well, you know, Kyle Bennett and Tony Craig. So if they can strengthen again with another two players like that and keep the core of the squad they've got, they should be all right. But I don't think they'll be looking to sell unless there's, you know, a silly bid coming in, that's for sure. So talking of comings and goings, uh, you have your own little announcement, Jack, which you made on social media uh, yesterday. Well, you say it yourself, what's going on? Yeah, so uh, I won't be covering Bristol Rivers anymore after the end of this season. I feel so... like I need some sad music here. I know. I know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I'll be, I'll be finishing up at the post. Uh, my final day is the last game of the season, South End away, so it ties in quite nicely. Um, so I'm going to go and do a new job completely out of football, but uh, I'll still be... Uh, if not a Rovers fan, certainly a keen observer. And uh, I've got my weekends back now as well, so maybe I'll go and uh, stand on the terraces and have a pint or something. As you say, you'll actually be able to watch football and enjoy it without working. Yeah. But here's the thing just out of interest, you know, and you've been working as a football reporter for a few years now, and have you ever sort of taken a moment for the team that you support and said, right, OK, I'm not going to work this today because I need to go as a fan? Um, no, I haven't actually. I've, I, I mean, I'm an Exeter City fan. I've only seen them once in the last two years, and that was a, a playoff game in the midweek. So um, you've hardly been able to get down there to watch. No, them. no, not at all. I, I, yeah, I really haven't seen them, and, and that's just you know, that's that's the price you pay for covering sport, which is a great job, and I love it. Um, but yeah, you do you do miss out on so, seeing your own team and things like that. But you end up adopting Rovers, don't you? That's the way it always works. Yeah, um, and you you now you have know, sort of adopted Rovers for life. You, you yeah, it so intense. Exactly. But it'd be it'd be nice, you know, when Lyons scored that equaliser in the ninety fourth minute. I wasn't up jumping and celebrating. I was pleased, but. I'm head down because I realised I had to rewrite 500 words. So it'll be nice to be able to stand there and actually uh, enjoy good, late, interesting games. Yeah, and just embrace sort of the atmosphere and the yeah. experience rather than... What we do is we get a bit of information and we turn and we, we interpret it, whether yeah. for you it's obviously to write down, for me it's to a camera, and it, it completely changes the way you watch football, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It'd be nice just to have a, a sort of more emotional reaction to it and to be able to you know be out of the ground by five o'clock as opposed to sat there in the cold typing away till seven so this is true yeah that'd be lovely you won't need your big winter coat quite as much no. and just to put you on the spot then because we've got one more podcast left after this just in sort of all your time covering rovers is there a standout moment for you that springs to mind and you're like right yes over the last sort of year and a half that's been been the one because it's been about a year and a half isn't it yeah yeah just over yeah over a year um good question i don't know i think the most sort of 
pleasing result in that evening was when they, they beat Fulham in the League Cup at the start of the season, 1-0 mm. up there, and you know, Fulham rested a few players, but by the 50th minute they were throwing on Sessegnon and Kearney and everybody. And, and they were getting desperate. Yeah, it, it wasn't a vintage game at all, and, and Rovers scored pretty early on. I think it was probably in the first 15 minutes as Harrison scored. But then it was just a real back-to-the-wall effort, and you could see Fulham panicking and panicking and bringing all the big guns, and, and there was a lot of Rovers fans there that day. It was good fun. And... Um, Craven Cottage is a great ground as well. Yeah, it's before. a lovely, it's a lovely little ground. Yeah, cracking yeah. ground, wooden seats and everything. Been, yeah. I've only been sort of like I've not been to a game there. I've just seen it, and it just uh, it looks like yeah. a proper, proper football ground. Yeah, it was good under the floodlights as well. That was a good night. Well, um, I'll let you go away and go through the thoughts then, because we're putting you on the spot a little bit more when we come back in a, in a couple of weeks. And we're going to sort of do an end of season review uh, in a couple of weeks. Look back on the season that's. It just feels like it never really caught a light, did it, Jack? No, no, it was it was a, a frustrating one. Obviously, we'll go into it in a bit more depth next time. But I think you know, inconsistent, but uh, not awful, and perhaps another another building year in League One. Consolidation. That's a, exactly that's a good word. Exactly. Well, we'll reflect on the season. Uh, we'll be back in a fortnight's time before Jack's final game in his final podcast. I find some sad music. Okay, <laughs> and uh, we will see you then. And if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review us. And if you've got any points you'd like to make, make them there too. Thanks for listening. Gassing out loud.